From breaking news to local stories happening where you live, this is the Jill Bennett Show podcast. We are starting, though, talking about what is happening in the city of Surrey. Not Surrey policing, although there is a bit of a connection there, but talking about schools and crowding in schools and planning for the future when it comes to more and more kids needing spaces in schools and what is happening with that. And joining me on the line is Gary Timischuk, Vice Chair of the Surrey School Board of Education. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Oh, it's uh, great to be with, with you again, Jill. This is a, a bit of an odd one, talking about the fact that the Surrey City Council has rejected the eligible school sites proposal and this coming in from the district. So before we get into it being rejected and what's happening there, can you tell us a little bit more, what exactly is the district's eligible school sites proposal? Sure. Every year, uh, every school district in the province, we're no different, is required to uh, create this report which projects the amount of school spaces and land we're going to need in the future. And it's based on information that's received from the city, uh, based on the number of homes, townhomes, and apartment buildings that they envision over the coming 10 years. And then we use that information to extrapolate the number of students we think will come out of those units, and then it creates the projection for 10 years in terms of the number of schools and school sites we'll need. We're required uh, under legislation in BC to send that to the city council for their approval so that we can submit our request to the provincial government to get those schools and school sites in the future. And is it generally pretty uh, a, a formula that is followed and it's submitted and accepted? Or, or is, it, is, is there back and forth or is it generally that, that, that's a, a pretty even process? I'm sure there's some back and forth that goes on between the two bodies. But generally speaking, it's pretty straightforward. The city knows what their plans are for the next 10 years in terms of the number of houses, the developments they're planning, the uh, neighborhood concept plans, the official community plans, and so on. And from our perspective on the school board side, we know how many kids typically come out of each one of those units. And we're constantly monitoring that. We are updating it on a monthly basis because, of course, things do fluctuate and change over time. I will say that it's not an exact science. You can never get it exact right because you don't know if the family moving into the house down the street is going to have two kids or three or one or none. So, you know, it's a little bit of an odds game, if you will. So this goes forward then to City Council for their approval for them of them to look at it and to to sign off on it. But uh, so this year that didn't happen. In fact, Council informed the district that they had some concerns about this. And in fact, the proposal uh, was actually rejected. So what happened there? Um, well, I, I don't know for sure, but as you know, council rejected it unanimously on December the 4th and they advised the school district. Um, we think that the information wasn't totally uh, read in totality. So, again, the eligible school sites proposal is based on new developments over the coming 10 years. It's not based on existing homes and, and apartments and townhomes in the city. And I think the information that city was in, uh, city council was interpreting was that that was all we needed over the next 10 years, which was just shy of 10,000 uh, new spaces. And of course, you know, last year alone, as you and I talked about a few weeks ago, we had 2,400 new kids on day one in September in one year alone. 
Right. And so I, from what I read as well, and there's been coverage of this and uh, a story on this uh, in the Vancouver Sun as well, that the, the city council decision or the rejection, uh, they also mentioned that it was provincial housing rules and that the legislation that the province has passed is going to have an impact or could potentially have an impact on housing and that that might actually make a difference or that that could perhaps put these projections, I, I guess, make them more difficult to project? Well, certainly that could be the case. Keep in mind that our report was prepared and passed by our board in September, so three months ago. And then we sent it off to city council. So, of course, you know, the the zoning bylaws, the changes that came about at the provincial level happened within the last couple of months, if not a few weeks. And so, therefore, we would have had no idea to include any of those projections. But keep in mind, as I mentioned, we get our projections of housing numbers from the city of Surrey anyway. So we would have just taken the number of homes, townhomes, apartment buildings, basement suites that they would have projected. And then we would have just used our formula to calculate how many students we anticipate. Right. So does it seem strange then that that council has rejected this? Because even with the the provincial legislation regarding housing that was passed, like you said, that came after this, uh, the proposal was put, was, was put together. Uh, even with that, I mean, it's, it's a safe bet, isn't it, to say, yes, we are going to see more families moving into Surrey. There is going to be this need. There's already this need for more schools. So, so even without the provincial legislation, is this not still something that is going to be needed. Of course it is. And in fact, again, the report is required each and every year, and it's always updated with the most current information. So based on what we knew on the school board side in September, or just prior to that, before the development of the report, that's what we knew and that's what we anticipated. We would have, would have expected it to have been approved through council uh, based on the information we know today, and that, again, we'll come back next year and, and seek the same approval, you know, based on the formulas of the day. And so what do you do at this point with, with coming back next year? Like you said, this is a yearly, a yearly proposal that goes forward. But with council rejecting it, what does that mean for the school board? Well, actually, we are required by legislation in the province. So it can't just sit. It has to be resolved. Uh, so our obligation was to advise the Minister of Education and Child Care, uh, the Honourable uh, Rashna Singh, and we did that on Friday, and now it's her responsibility to appoint a facilitator to work with the city and the school district to be able to resolve it so that we can get a report passed, because then once it's passed, we can now complete our uh, piece, which is putting forward uh, our uh, requirements to Victoria in the hopes that we'll get some funding for some of those uh, projects that we need. Does it make for a lot more work for the school board? Uh, well, I, we don't know because we, we did our work based on the information we had uh, last August, September. Now, depending on what the facilitators, uh, you know, what process that looks like, it, there may be some more work involved, but certainly there's going to be people tied up on the school board side, on the uh, city council, city hall side, but also at the provincial level to be able to help the facilitator uh, you know, acquire the information they need to make the decision to help us get past this. And, and did you mention, I, I'm not remembering now if I read this in the article, or did you say that it was, in fact, the Surrey Council rejecting the eligible school sites proposal, that this was a unanimous vote? Yes. Which, I, I mean, that in itself, I, I can't re- remember the last time I saw something that was a unanimous vote at Surrey City Council that uh, that they've agreed on this. Does it make you think then that, that there is something that, that everybody has agreed that this needs to be reworked then? 
you know what? I, I don't know. I, I have a, a hunch that there's concerns about the new provincial uh, legislation on uh, zoning that's come out. Uh, but again, I don't think anybody, certainly City Hall or anybody, knows what the impacts of that are going to be until we start, you know, living it, if you will. And as my understanding is that some of it doesn't become effective until sometime next year. I, I want to go back to what I said before, is that we're required each and every year to bring this report forward, and we'll do it again next uh, fall, early fall, September, and go through the process and update it with the most recent information that's available to us and to the city at that point in time. Are you concerned, though, that this could mean that that much needed school space? And certainly we've talked about the crowded schools, about the prefab uh, buildings that are going to take the place of portables in some cases. Are you concerned at all that this could lead to uh, once again more and more crowding and the continued need for more schools? Well, it certainly crossed our mind. Uh, I know that we've had conversations. We sent our letter on Friday and the minister has already indicated to us that she will respond quickly to appoint a facilitator and we'll get past this as quickly as we can. We hope it doesn't slow things down, but there's always that potential. Hmm. Well, we are going to continue uh, watching what happens here and uh, checking in. We have a, a Surrey City Councillor joining us on the show a little bit later on in the program. Gary Timischuk, though, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being here today. All right. Thanks very much, Jill. Well, it is, uh, I think we could say it's officially the holiday season, depending on what holidays you might be uh, participating in. This week, Ecom has welcomed an additional 12 call takers. These are going to be call takers dedicated to the non-emergency team. It represents about uh, the or the third cohort of employees to join, join this newly formed team this year alone. It's uh, one of several initiatives. These were all introduced by Ecom to help improve non-emergency calls call taking and to make it so things go smoothly when those calls are coming in. They have also put out a list of tips when it comes to making sure your holiday season is a safe one. And joining me to talk a little bit more about this is Sadie Chung, a call taker with the Ecom. Sadie, thank you so much for taking some time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And just to, I know that the name kind of says it all, but this is so, this is a dedicated team for when, when those non-emergency calls come in, when somebody, say if it's somebody calling the non-emergency line in Vancouver or something like that. Exactly. So we focus entirely on non-emergency police reports rather than the traditional service delivery model, which was switching back and forth between 911 and non-emergency calls. And does it streamline things a bit in that I know in the past people have often said, and which makes sense, if it's a non-emergency call, you don't expect it to have the same urgency as an emergency call. But that did at times lead to some pretty long wait times. So is this in part or is this kind of uh, helping to address that? Exactly. It's not only helping relieve pressure from 911 operators and police call takers, but it's also demonstrating really positive impacts on service levels as well. Have we been able to even measure or, or have you been able to see that, yes, in the past, maybe call wait times were, were this long and that this has really helped bring those wait times down? Yeah, so I can't speak to exactly what wait times we're currently seeing. But what I can say is in the lower mainland, the average answer speed for non-emergency calls reduced from over 12 minutes in 2022 down to approximately four minutes this year to date in 2023. And uh, with 62% of non-emergency calls, those were answered in another three minutes compared to 41% in 2022. So we're happy to see those kind of positive impacts on service levels. 
Oh, for sure. That's a huge decrease when you look at the the numbers going from 12 to to four and in many cases uh, under three minutes. That's a big improvement. Absolutely. We're more than happy to see that on our team and uh, we look forward to onboarding more call takers in the new year. And uh, and if you don't have the answer to this, this is fine. But I was curious, too, because we do often talk, and I think it especially comes out at the end of the year when the list comes out of the calls, the emergency calls that have come in that really don't fall under the headline of emergency calls. But does this help as well as far as educating people when to call 911 and when not to? Absolutely. And, you know, we don't take non-emergency calls on uh, uh, 911 lines. So they will refer those callers to non-emergency lines. And hopefully that's just a reminder for next time uh, to keep those lines free. Best kind of example is if no one's uh, life or property is at immediate risk or danger, then it falls on the non-emergency line. All right. Now, I understand the teams as well, the non-emergency teams, and you're part of that team, that they have some seasonal tips for people. And this is a list that has been put together about some of the calls that call takers like yourself receive over the holiday season and reminding people the difference, the difference between non-emergency versus 911. So can we go through some of the tips that are on this list? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely seeing calls along the holiday theme. I think, you know, porch pirates or package theft is a really common one. Lots of people um, ordering stuff online, deliveries for the Christmas season. Um, They might get a notification it's been delivered, but it's no longer on their porch. Um, So, you know, if it has been taken after the fact, report it to your local police non-emergency line or online. Um, If you're witnessing someone on your neighbor's porch who's not supposed to be there, that's a call for 911. Uh, Same goes for holiday decorations. Lots of people have inflatable maybe Santas or Grinches on their lawn. Uh, Noticing it missing after the fact is a call for the non-emergency line. Um, Also seeing an uptick of charity scams, people asking for donations for the holiday season. Uh, If you're a victim of a charity scam, we're happy to help you on the police non-emergency line. If no money has been lost, though, and it's really just for, you know, analytical or uh, database reporting um, circumstances, you can call the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. If you're concerned, uh, you, you know, maybe it is a scam, but you're wanting to donate, you can also connect with the Better Business Bureau as well. Um, missing vehicles is a common theme. Maybe you return uh, after some holiday shopping and your car is no longer there. Best kind of course of action and something we remind our callers on the non-emergency line is to first check with a local tow truck company um, as well as maybe some noisy festivities or parties going on. Uh, You can report noise complaints to your local city services during those business hours. Outside of business hours, you can call your local non-emergency line. That's uh, good advice. Just to to go back to something you mentioned, missing vehicles. And people know uh, certainly this time of year, parking lots are busy, whether you're at a mall or or some other busy area. Uh, Do you get a lot of calls, people that uh, either their vehicles have actually been stolen or maybe they've, they've not remembered correctly where they parked? Yeah, we do see those calls. Um, you know, I, 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 from experience, do always jot down where I park. I have a horrible memory in that regard. Um, but missing vehicles, although sometimes, you know, that's, it, it's your life, it's, it's your vehicle right there, it's not something that would fall on the 911 line. Those do come into our non-emergency line, unless, of course, it is in progress. Um, it's not always the non-emergency line that can help if it's just a missing vehicle. Sometimes you need to contact the mall Uh, or maybe security in that area. Um, But checking in with your local tow truck company is typically the first step. 
All right, that's uh, good advice as well. It's a pretty sinking feeling, uh, even if your car has been stolen. But uh, like you said, it's not uh, not an emergency uh, call. That kind of goes back to something else you mentioned, though, that if you uh, if a porch pirate has hit or or something has been stolen from your house or even your neighbor's house to report it, but it, but it's not an emergency. But uh, I would imagine, though, even with the vehicles or, or the holiday thefts, if you see that theft in progress, that is when you call 911. Exactly. Regardless of, you know, the amount or what the item is, a theft in progress with a suspect on view is a call to 911. All right. Good to to remember that. Uh, One of the other uh, things on this list as well, and uh, I don't think it's a problem today other than we are going to get some rain a little bit later on, but it's been pretty warm these last few days. However, when you do see road conditions, icy conditions or snow conditions, are those things that, that people are still in some scenarios calling 911? Yeah, you know, exactly. It's been a quite a, a nice winter that we've seen so far. So we're not seeing a lot of these calls, uh, at least on the non-emergency line. We always remind people to practice extra caution while driving in heavy rain conditions and, you know, maybe snow in the new year. Um, but it's not something that we provide, you know, road closure updates for on the non-emergency line, unless, of course, it's causing a hazard. The only time you would see those calls on 911 is, you know, maybe after a collision where um, you need ambulance or police on scene to attend. Um, Otherwise, even collision-wise, as long as parties are able to pull off to the side, no one's hurt, they're able to exchange information and carry on their way. The non-emergency line at that point isn't even required. That would be a call to ICBC. Um, For updates on road closures, there's always Drive BC or 511 or even your local traffic station. All right. Some good, uh, timely advice as we head into what is going to be a busy week for many and uh, people going, uh, being out and about. Is there anything we've missed, Sadie, that you wanted to include or have we covered it? No, I think I just, you know, like to shout out all the call takers working really tirelessly through the holiday season. And just to remind callers to keep 911 lines free for emergencies only. And we're more than happy to help you with your non-emergency on those designated non-emergency lines. Sounds good. Sadie Chung, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Only a few days until Christmas. If you are celebrating Christmas, even if you're not, this can be a very busy time of year. So how do you stay healthy when things get really busy and there can be a lot of stress as well? Well, Scott Lear is joining me now, Professor of Health Sciences at SFU, also the Pfizer Heart and Stroke Foundation Chair in Cardiovascular Prevention Research. Scott Lear, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me on. It is the time of year where things can kind of catch up on you, whether you're overtired, you're overbooking yourself, and maybe you haven't been paying attention or doing things to stay healthy. So what are some of the the main things that you see people kind of neglecting or, or where do we kind of fall victim to this? Yeah, most definitely. And a survey, recent survey in the U.S. Uh, found that 9 out of 10 people associate the holidays with some form of increased stress. So when you mention about the stress, it's, it's right there in the forefront of most people's minds. And what we also find, like you mentioned, the different occasions, uh, it can be hard to maintain one's healthy habits, like if you're exercising regularly, eating well, managing your stress because a lot of different things happen and it's but sometimes the stress and the feeling of being overwhelmed actually 
gets increased because you're not able to do those things that usually help you, like exercise, spend time doing things for yourself. So that key of trying to keep that routine while enjoying yourself at the same time. Is that one of the things, too, that people are kind of the first to go that if you do have, say, an exercise routine and and, and you had that, but but that's the first thing that it's if you're suddenly overbooked or overscheduled, we let that go, even though that's probably something that we should be hanging on to. Yeah. And it's it is not just you're exactly right. It's not just that people get busy. But also, if, if you're used to exercising at a community center or a gym or doing some sort of fitness class, a lot of the hours um, uh, are reduced. Your instructor might go away. Sometimes they're going to be closed. If you you know go out walking and running, you can still do that. So it might need to be a bit of a shift. Now, backing up, the caveat is if you miss like a – a week or so of your exercise, it's not going to make a big difference in terms of your fitness and lifelong health, but it will make a difference in impacting your mood because pretty much all of us, I'd say, exercise because we enjoy it and we feel better for it. And then you're missing that during the holidays. So there are some ways that you can um, uh, maintain some activity while enjoying, like you can go walking around the neighborhood seeing lights, you know, if you're okay going shopping, um, you can do a lot of walking in shopping malls. Uh, There's Christmas markets, other kind of festivals that require walking. Or you can choose to do some social events with friends, whether it's bowling or snowshoeing or going on a hike. So there are ways um, that you can keep your activity, but I think for the most part, you have to be a bit flexible and also go easy on yourself too. Interesting when you say that, because do we tend to, um, whether it's maybe you've gone to the office party or another get together and you've maybe been eating more, maybe drinking a bit more than you normally would. When you say to make sure you go easy on yourself, uh, do we fall into that trap as well in that then you feel bad that maybe you overindulged and it can kind of be that cycle? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I would put myself in there. As, as well too and yeah it's a it's a mix of you know maybe not being able to do what we would like to do or maintain our routine and perhaps having huge expectations going into the holidays it may not be it may be that oh we want that event that we're hosting to be absolutely perfect and and we know things don't go perfectly so when they don't go as planned whether it is, you know, the swimming pool has closed their hours or, you know, somebody brings the wrong dish to your potluck, that to go easy on yourself, realize that things aren't always going to be perfect. And, you know, if we go easy on ourselves, that also will be helpful for reducing that stress and being over, overwhelmed. And one thing that I, um, I use is kind of a, a test on myself if you wouldn't criticize a family member or a friend the way you're criticizing yourself, you probably don't need to criticize yourself that way. Hmm, that's a good way of looking at it. So, yeah, I, although I suppose if the answer is yes, you would, maybe you're hard on everybody. <laughs> well, when I said family, though, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> maybe people are saying, yeah.
yeah, maybe if it was a coworker or somebody uh, like that, <laughs> take it down, take it down a notch. Um, we've, we've been talking a lot about this shift and a lot of companies really getting on board with non-alcoholic drink uh, choices and, and different choices that, that are really, uh, really becoming more, um, more options out there for people. Are, are you seeing that as well in that it can be the time of year? If you are somebody that drinks alcohol, there tends to be a lot more around this time of year. Is, is that shift happening as well? Or do you think, are people paying enough attention to, to making sure that, that we're not taking, uh, taking in too much alcohol? Yeah, I think it's a, a bit of both. People will, about a third of people in this one survey said that they expect that their alcohol intake to increase over the holidays. But you're, you're also right that there's a lot more selection of non-alcoholic beers and, and other drinks and that um, they're also tasting better, uh, especially the non-alcoholic beers. And so more and more people are gravitating to them, and sometimes it's that taste that you look for. Another thing that I find as a good um, supplement sometimes is just sparkling water. You get that carbonation, which for me, I, I like that from drinking beer, so I get that carbonation from the sparkling water. And, you know, when you're having alcohol, it's also the alcohol, but there's also calories there as well. So it's, uh, it can be a mix of two negative things if you're having too much of it. Mm, yes, that's a good one to, to keep in mind as well. Um, and, and also, when we when we are so busy and maybe uh, we're, we're stretching ourselves a little thin, it is also cold and flu season. Are, are we more susceptible or do you find people are more susceptible to not even you know, only being overstressed or maybe overtired, but you do open it up then that, that you your immune system maybe is down and, you, and you're more susceptible to colds and flus and that kind of thing? Well, definitely if you're stressed and that's kind of chronic day-to-day and you're not getting some rest from that can definitely reduce the ability of your immune system to fight infections. And you combine that with uh, in- interacting with other people and so there's more opportunity. And that's one of the reasons, one of the big reasons we, we start to see more colds and flus in the wintertime is because there's a lot more indoor crowded activities than in the summertime. Another thing, too, that um, I always find gets underrated is making sure you get enough rest mm. and enough sleep uh, because that's the foundation for your body to recover, your your brain to kind of relax and compartmentalize the day and, and wash away all the negative things from from the day as well so if you're not you know if you're if you're not getting enough sleep that makes it easier to get stressed and also can run down your immune system so you know having that sleep and getting good quality sleep can uh, make the holidays go go by smoother as well yeah, and I, I would imagine too, uh, maybe along with with exercise, sleep might even be higher on the list of things that we uh, tend to uh, lose out on. Or if you have to pack more into the day, that is often uh, the one that goes, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and I think that uh, as I said, like out of the healthy behaviors, you know, people know about exercise, hear about stress management, eating healthy. We need to also bring in sleep into that because. 
when you're fatigued, you go out to an event, your mind's not working. When you're tired, you tend to, your body will crave high energy food and you'll tend to eat more to, to keep up that energy while you're awake instead of being fatigued. So again, if you're not getting enough sleep, it can have a domino effect into all your other behaviors. And do we find too, do, do people tend to put it off thinking, oh, okay, well, I, I'm already in this. I, I, I know that, that I'm, I'm doing too much and, and all of these things. I'll deal with it in January. I'll, get, I'll hit the gym in January. I'll make sure I'll, I'll do things. I'll eat great come January. And, and do people kind of put it off that way? And does that also kind of set us up for failure? Well, definitely people do put it put it off. And I wouldn't necessarily say that's a, a bad thing because that's also uh, managing maybe realistic expectations. You know, my advice if somebody's got like, I don't know, five or six parties to go to, uh, my advice to somebody will, will pick two of them that you're, that you're, are special to you that you'll indulge in. And then for the other four, three or four, try to, you know, eat healthy or have like a health buddy or something like that. Um, and, and so if you have that mentality, okay, yes, um, I know this is going to happen and I'll get back to it, that can be like a, a healthy like mental response uh, in that you're managing your expectations, you're not putting too much pressure on yourself. As long as like what you're doing is semi-healthy, like you're not excessively drinking, you're not running yourself down, um, getting no sleep, and, and so forth, because then that can lead to sickness or, or other problems down the road. So I, I think it's a bit of mix in, in that. Um, somebody's saying they'll get back to it. And then it's, again, um, trying to get back to it. it can sometimes be a challenge, but the holidays are are kind of unique. So once you get back into your routine, for a lot of people, they'll get back into the regular healthy habits routine as well. All right. That's a, a, a positive note to, to leave it on there. Unless, is there any other advice that we didn't get to or anything else that you wanted to share with us today? Yeah, one more thing. that If, you, if somebody is feeling overwhelmed uh, and stressed, you know, be um, mindful and talk to somebody about it somebody who can support you, get some help, there's lots of resources, or even even if it's just delegating some tasks to family or friends to take the load off you. All right. Uh, Professor Scott Lear, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure, Jill. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune in to the Jill Bennett Show live from noon till 3 on 980 CKNW. Have a question or comment? Send me an email, jill at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.